We're doing something a little different. So if this is your first time, we're kind of, uh, it's an, a, a different Sunday for us, but one that I'm really excited about. And um, I, I thought, like, by way of introduction, I would just, a little bit of my own story. I was basically born, born again. Um, the, this has been the culture that I've grown up in is within Christianity, and um, I've I've loved that experience. Um, but I I speak very fluently within that world of Christianity, the culture, and um, and one of the things about it, growing up that I haven't been especially proud of, is the fact that we have a tendency when it comes to creativity to take something out there that's working and make a Christian version of it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, how do we take that thing and then add Jesus to it and then present that as art? And, um, and I've always thought, um, I, I've longed for that work that feels like it's kind of pushing forward, right, originally, that uh, kind of vision behind creativity. And, and I think that comes along every once in a while. And when it does, I think there's a sort of delight that I have in that. Um, I... Honestly, this might surprise you, but I put like Veggie Tales in that category. <laughs> like this 100% digital animation. They were like the first ones to do that, and I was like, "Yeah, no, that's so cool." And in a really creative, inventive way, I um, years ago when I was a youth pastor, I remember Rob Bell did these Numa videos, and it was like a format that nobody had done before, and um, and they were really effective, really well done, and I loved that. Um, but because this sort of culture, I, I think that for me, I'm a little bit of a late adapter oftentimes because when I see some of this, I I'm always feel a little bit disappointed. And um, so confession, um, the, the Chosen, I've never seen a single episode of it. I know, right? Because I like, I, anyway, I sort of, right, exactly. Sorry, I'm sorry, Chris. I, I'm like this late adapter when it comes because... It's a little bit of a skeptic in me or something. I don't know what that is. But, um, but years ago, True and Sherry said, our son-in-law is doing this project, the Bible project, and you've got to see it. And, and I'm not going to lie. My first response is like, ah, okay, right? And, and she kind of was persistent. You know how Sherry is. And so finally, I went and watched one, and I went, oh, wow, this is really good. And since then, I've, um, they have become, for me, not just something that I am pleased to see happening within the world of Christianity, but something that I've even gone to as like a resource. Um, it's inventive, it's creative, it's beautifully done. And, um, and so we get a chance to talk to one of the guys behind it, really the guy behind it this morning. And, um, but I gave you an assignment last week to watch one of them, and... How many of you did it? All right. Oh, that's more than I expected. Good job. Well, um, you guys are awesome. Well done. You all get an A. Um, and everybody else, like, eh, sorry, you get a C. Um, we're going to watch one before I have John come up. And, uh, and this one I'm going to give, well, it's one that John and I talked about earlier this week, but it also happens to be Toby Scott's very favorite one. So here's the Bible project on the tree of life. We ready? The story of the Bible begins in a garden where God and humans live together. And the biblical authors want us to see this garden as a type of temple. The top 
is the most sacred place, the Holy of Holies, where God's presence is most intense. And that's where we find the Tree of Life. So what's this tree all about? Well, it represents God's own life and creative power that is made available to others. In fact, God's first command is that humans eat from all of the trees, including this one. So you're ingesting God's own life. That sounds intense. Yeah, this meal transforms the one who eats it. Or in the words of the story, it leads to eternal life. Okay, but on the way to the tree of life, the humans have to pass by another tree called the tree of knowing good and bad. And God says that eating from this tree will kill you. How does it do that? Well, it represents taking the authority to do what is good in your own eyes. And when humans do that... It leads to broken relationships, violence, and death. And so here's the thing. Both trees look beautiful, but one of them is a false tree of life. And the humans take from this false tree of life. And they're exiled from the garden for good. Which raises the question, can anyone ever get back to the tree of life? Well, later on in the story, we meet a man named Moses, and he encounters God in a desert tree on top of a mountain. Oh, you mean the burning bush, where Moses is told that he's standing on holy ground. Yeah, it's a plant on a mountain radiating with God's life and power, just like the tree of life. And God tells Moses, bring your people up to this mountain so we can form a partnership. And this partnership will force them to make a choice. Will they follow gods of their own making or receive life from the true God? And in this story, they give their allegiance to an idol. And it's just the first of many. The story goes on to show generation after generation choosing gods of their own making. And these idols were usually placed on tall hills like beautiful trees. But they're false trees of life that lead the people into self-destruction, exile, and death. It's like death's grip on us is too strong to resist. Is there any hope? Well, let's turn now to the story of Jesus. He came to announce that God's eternal life was available once again through him. So Jesus thinks of himself as the tree of life. Yes, this is what he meant when he claimed to be the vine that brings God's life into the world. And Jesus invited people to eat from him. Yeah, he was inviting people to trust him and be transformed by his life. But Jesus also exposed how corrupt humans are, how much they love false trees of life. And so Jesus presented people with a new choice between life or death. And this time, they don't just choose death. They also chose to attack the one who sustains all of life. Yes, Jesus is led up to the top of a hill where he dies upon a tree. The cross is the sad and violent result of humanity's desire to do what is good in our own eyes. The tree of life has been overcome by the power of death. Well, it seemed that way. But Jesus said that he was a seed of God's life that would die in the ground, but then grow into a plant that would bear much fruit. So to defeat death, Jesus went through it. And now this new tree of life stands before us all. We can eat from it, but it will mean passing through death like Jesus, allowing our old way of being human to die. So that a new humanity can grow in its place. Yes, Jesus said he is the vine and we are his branches. So not only do you eat from this tree, you're invited to become a part of it, helping produce its fruit so that his life and love can spread through us to others. And so the story of the Bible ends in a new garden which is also a kind of temple. 
with the tree of life at its center, providing healing and life forever to all who choose to eat from it. That's so good. Here you go, John. This, so this is John Collins. Yeah. <laughs> So my first question is for you guys. Which one of us do you think looks more like Adam Driver? Uh, <laughs> that was for you, Liz. <laughs> um, well, it's been so fun just getting to know you a little bit. And, um, and it really has, I think, what you guys do. I find so inspirational. Um, to my own just way of looking at scripture, I think one of the things that stands out to me is your ability to draw these like arcs through the whole story and encapsulate the narrative in a way that is not only succinct, but really links through all the beautiful pieces of the whole story, kind of like Genesis to the maps, like all the way through. But um, I wanted to ask you first just a little bit about your own kind of spiritual background, your own upbringing, and uh, yeah, tell us just a little bit about that, your story. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. It's really good to be here. Um, I am Sherry and True's son-in-law, so you probably know Sherry and True, and uh, every time we're down in Laguna Beach, we love to be here. Mm -hmm. This is a wonderful community. Um, so I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, in the Seattle area, and grew up in, in the church. I was born, born again. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, I, uh, my spiritual tradition was uh, one that put a lot of emphasis on the Bible, high degree of um, love for the Bible and reverence for the Bible. That it's, uh, I mean, it has all the answers, mm -hmm. right? And, um, and so that was just part of my DNA, wanting to understand the Bible. I also just have a very, my mind is one that wants to understand things and wants to make sense of things. And so if the Bible has all the secrets, you know, I want to understand it. And my spiritual tradition also really highly um, suggested that we spend time every day in the Bible, right? The quiet time. And so I just remember from a very early age trying to do that, trying to sit down and read the Bible. Um, and honestly found it really hard. Mm -hmm. I uh, would, I, I failed at reading the Bible myself. I would come to it and I would, I would read it. And I would end up with more questions than I started with. I would come trying to find some answers to the questions that I had, and then I would get confused. What does this mean? What does that mean? How does this work? That's weird. And I would just kind of just get overwhelmed. Um, and so I just, my spiritual tradition was one of like this kind of weird relationship with the Bible. Where like I had a lot of respect for it, but I kind of didn't know how to read it and how to engage with it. I even went to, to Bible school. After high school, I went and I studied the Bible, thinking like, now I'm going to learn. Um, and after, even after that, after four years, I got a Bible degree. I learned a lot of really wonderful things, had a great time. Um, but afterwards, like, felt kind of like, you know what, maybe I'm not built to be able to understand the Bible. So um, in my 20s, I just started to... Um, what I would call being a post-Bible Christian. 
I like was in for Jesus. I was in for the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the answers, and the Bible was kind of just getting in the way. Mm-hmm. Like I could follow Jesus without the Bible, and it was hard to read. So I I, I didn't do this consciously. I just started doing that in my twenties, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, yeah. So that's a little bit of my yeah. yeah. No, I love it. Um, so you formed a relationship with the uh, kind of your partner in this, Tim, during that time. You had kind of some inspiration for a, a project. We talked a little bit about the theology project. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us kind of how that idea surfaced and then sort of evolved into what it is now? Yeah, so what I ended up doing as a career was um, using this explainer impulse that I have and making animated videos to explain mostly technology is kind of the work mm-hmm. I typically did. Um, and, uh, and so I was doing that. Um, I was really enjoying this medium of explainer videos because you can really, really understand something in a super nuanced way. So there could be this big, complicated idea but you could simplify it without oversimplifying mm-hmm. it. You could, um, you could really kind of get to the heart of why something matters, and you could do it quickly, and then you do it in a way that's very shareable. So I was really into this medium, and, um, and I was still in for Jesus, and still in for the church, and I still believed it mattered that you, you knew the right answers. And so I just wanted to make sure, okay, do I know the right answers? Um, can we take this medium and do a theology kind of project? Mm-hmm. And um, so I thought it'd be great to have a YouTube channel, do theology explainer videos. Um, and I would even try to write some, but I just knew, like, I only knew enough to be dangerous. And the internet <laughs> is, like, a really mean place. And so um, if I put up a video, I'm going to get thrashed. So I had a friend, um, Tim, who is the other voice on that video. And um, I went to school with Tim. He, uh, he went on to just study the Bible for another decade, and he got his Ph.D. in biblical studies and Semitic languages, and he's like a true nerd. <laughs> and uh, he also is a very humble and generous man and um, was a guy that I loved to talk about the Bible with because what I found was when I, my questions about the Bible fell off limits. Like, it felt like when I was at church or I was talking to someone who was a fellow Christian, like, I couldn't tell them all my questions or maybe just one at a time. And then whatever the answer was, I'd be like, okay, cool. And if I asked another question or a follow-up, I was worried that people would think that, like, I'm not really in, like, I, um, I'm dangerous. Uh, so I'd keep a lot of questions to myself. And Tim was the kind of guy who would allow me to ask all my questions. And I would come and I'd be like, what's the deal with this? And we would, just, we would just get into it. And what was really wonderful about Tim was he started to teach me that um, my questions were interesting. But the Bible was asking uh, questions that I wasn't asking. And the Bible was asking questions that are actually more interesting than my questions. And... Um, so he would kind of always reframe and be like, let's try to help me understand how the Bible works mm-hmm. and the language it was speaking. And I just really loved it. So I was like, Tim, 
I do this, I do these explainer videos, let's do a theology explainer video channel. Mm -hmm. And so, and he was in, uh, he loved the idea. Um, and he came to me with like a hundred video ideas. Like he came with a spreadsheet and he's like, here's like a hundred videos I want to make. And most of them were just explaining books of the Bible. But then uh, like 30 of them were theme videos like the one you just saw, which is like, here's a, here's a biblical idea, a motif, a pattern, a theme, and how it traces all the way through the, the story. Mm -hmm. um, and what I quickly realized was like I was wanting to do theology, like systematic theology, like show me the verses that explain the things I'm supposed to believe. And Tim was wanting to look at the Bible's literature and do biblical theology. And so that's when I realized, okay, that's what this project's going to be. And um, so we started about project. Mm -hmm. Okay, so say more about that. What does it mean to look at the Bible as literature? How would you describe that? What's different or what's the nuance there? Yeah. Um, well, so I think the nuance is that we all understand, we all engage with literature, and we understand that when you read one type of literature, you read it differently than other types. So if you're reading a news article versus reading a novel, mm -hmm. or a cookbook versus a poem, like you just come to it with different expectations, and you read it um, along its own grain. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, I think I inadvertently maybe began to believe that the Bible is just merely a textbook. Yeah. And the Bible was a book that I was supposed to just find the answers in um, as, as a textbook or as a manual or as a handbook. And what Tim started to show me was that the Bible is literature, and it's a very specific kind of literature. It's, um, it's ancient, <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. written thousands of years ago, different part of the world, uh, different time, um, and uh, it's Jewish, ancient Jewish literature, and there's stories, and there's poems, and there's letters, so there's different genres in there, but that, um, uh, that it's okay to come to the Bible and to think of it as literature, and that was hard for me, yeah. because literature is a human thing, right? Like, humans write poems, and humans write letters, and and novels, but this is God's word. Like, so it transcended this category of literature, right? Like, it shouldn't be thought of as some only, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Tim would talk about, you know, how does Jewish literature work? The structure, the patterns, the themes, what, why are the authors doing the things that they're doing? And we would get into it. I just was so uncomfortable because I was like, like, remember, Tim, like, this is God's word, too. Uh, or it is God's word. Yeah. And what I was wrestling with is um, an ancient paradox hmm. that's orthodox, which is that the Bible is both human and divine. Mm -hmm. um, and that was hard for me to kind of wrestle through that paradox because in my tradition, I th we believe that. I was taught that the Bible is human and divine. But you kind of want to polish off the human fingerprints, mm -hmm. and you kind of want to pretend that it just fell out of heaven as this kind of like supernatural thing, and it's in no way human. So the Bible is uh, literary art, and by, by 
by reading the Bible along its own grain, as it works as literature, doesn't take away from its divinity. What I found, actually, was as we got into it and we saw the questions the Bible was asking and the way the Bible was answering these questions and wrestling through it, it, like, spoke to me in a really profound way. And just the divinity, the, the, the God's breath, <laughs> the spirit of, of, of God came in through the text in a new way. That really surprised me. Yeah. yeah. I think you hear that in there. And I, I think it's interesting because if I'm understanding right, Tim w- didn't grow up in that culture. And so he's a, a sort of later discoverer of this, of this book yeah. as it draws him to Jesus. As we were talking about, he found Jesus, which drew him to the Bible. I love that you're sort of the question asker in here because you're the one in one sense, you should be the authority having grown, grown up, but you're the one asking the questions almost as if there's a sort of rediscovery behind it. Does that sound right? Or a, um, I just love that dynamic between the two of you um, because I think what, what it captures for me is a sense of wonder about Scripture comes through in the videos or rediscovery. I don't know. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah, I... Um... I was taught to read the Bible and um, respect the Bible and then follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. And for Tim, he started following Jesus and then realized, oh, there's this book that comes along with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And uh, one of Tim's favorite passages is in Luke 24, last chapter in the Gospel of Luke, and Jesus is risen from the dead and he's hanging out with his disciples, Mm -hmm. and he he begins to teach them how the whole Old Testament, their Hebrew Bible, how it was all about him. Mm -hmm. And um, this is one thing that drives me nuts about the Bible is, why don't we have that lesson? (laughs) That would be wonderful. But um, Jesus had this belief that he fulfilled the story of the Bible that was all about him. and he read the Bible that way, and he taught his disciples to read the Bible that way. And, um, and so for Tim, he's like, okay, I want to see that. I want to read the Bible that way. I want to find Jesus in the Bible. Um, and so, uh, yeah. And Tim, I mean, he, I get to be the student in this relationship because he's just studied it way more than me. Mm-hmm. And he's mastered the languages, and he's just like he's fully inundated and I am a very I'm a very curious person but I'm also very forgetful and um, and so I'm like always rediscovering things I'm like oh yeah I thought I knew that but now I think I actually get it uh-huh. I like that's my constant uh, experience in life um, so yeah it's just we get to sit down and I get to just ask him questions and we just I've continued that relationship where, he, or where I just get to ask him any question mm-hmm. it's completely like nothing's off limits and I I try to ruffle his feathers and I never can and um, and once we get to a place where it's like I can repeat back to him what I think he's saying which helps him maybe start to think about it in a a more concrete way or in a more you know in some new way and we kind of like hash it out together until we kind of come around to it and we're like cool that's it and we do that through conversation but we also do that through writing and um, it's, it's a, a lot of fun. I really, 
I really enjoy it. So, so tell me about, like, because a huge part of this, maybe even, uh, I'm wondering, kind of maybe the bulk of it even is the sort of artistic representation that goes behind it, or at least that's, to me, part of what feels so new and fresh about what you guys do. Can you tell me where, like, the the images and the, the theme that you draw in the background and the artwork, and how does all that happen? So you've got the questions, you've got the discussion. Where does the artistic side of this come into play? Yeah. Um, so I love the visual medium to try to understand things. Um, and I've always just brought along artists in the process. I'm not really an artist with a capital A. I'm, I'm a creative, mm -hmm. um, but we have wonderful artists on the team. Um, and so what typically happens is like we'll, we'll write a script and it'll be kind of pretty abstract. Like we'll just kind of have the ideas and concepts and maybe a few images in our head. Mm -hmm. But then we give the script to our artists and we then have them come back with, with visual development, um, story beats, different things, which when they do often makes us have to go, oh, this wasn't as obvious or wasn't explained as well as we thought, or this is a really cool idea they came with. Can we riff on that more? So it becomes a true kind of collaborative process mm -hmm. with the artists. Um, and Tree of Life is a great example of that. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so the visual medium, art, art is good art is something where when you sit with it, the longer you sit with it, the more profound it becomes, right? And the more it begins to speak to you and the more interesting it becomes. Um, and that's what the Bible is. And it does that as literary art. And so um, we're, trying to, we're trying to do that with the visual medium without making the Bible something it's not. Mm -hmm. It's kind of it's a tough dance. Because the Bible is literature, it's not visual art. Um, but, the, but the ideas that the Bible has and the themes and the patterns um, mm -hmm. can very, very easily be represented visually. Yeah. I um, had a professor who uh, taught semiotics, which is signs and symbols, philosophy of signs and symbols. And he would say that's how you have to read the Bible, that, that all these images are connected and they're creating an arc. And um, so he would always try to teach us to read the Bible in that way. And I think that was one of the things that stood out as I watched what you guys do, as I thought, oh, you're doing, you're doing semiotics. You're, you're taking these images and you're carrying it through. So if you've got a tree in Genesis and you've got Christ crucified on the tree, if you've got a seed that has to die and then rise and you have a resurrection, like you go, no, you're following, you're reading the Bible accurately as you're connecting these dots. And I thought, I... I don't know if we know how to do that as much in our culture as they did, but I, it's been fun for me to, to kind of see it in that way. But I thought, I think it lends itself to what you do so well. Um, so anyway, was that new for you guys watching this sort of tree of life thing? You're going, it's connecting these dots, right? But you go, it, it's amazing to me how it opens up so much more. There's layer upon layer. Um, 
I, I wanted to ask you about like that one in particular. Can you tell us a little bit how, like, how did you come up with that video? What I was telling John, I was a huge fan of uh, VH1 behind the music. Did any of you watch this? Like the songwriters, like, tell us how this, and I was like, oh, I just want you to do that with the tree of life for us. But, um, I mean, yeah. Can you walk us through the process for that? Well, every theme, that's a theme video. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, every theme video that we do is Tim. Tim will usually say, "Hey, here's a here's a theme I think we should explore." And so, I, so one is Tree of Life, um, and uh, and a theme will begin in the first few pages of the Bible. Always kind of has its roots there. And sure enough, the Tree of Life shows up right at the beginning of the Bible. Um, and this, I, but then this motif of trees. He just starts tracing it. We just start reading passage after passage where trees show up. Um, and then they show up in places that are really unexpected, like the burning bush. We think of it as a bush. Well, in Hebrew, there's no word for bush. It's a tree. It's an eitz. And it's a, um, so if, you, if, it, if, a, if a plant is kind of wooden, it's an eitz. And, um, and so, that's a, so in the Hebrew imagination, a tree on the top of a mountain. Pay attention. Hmm. Because where did the story begin? It began in a garden, which in Genesis 2 wasn't explicitly on the top of a mountain, hmm. but um, four rivers flowed from it, and then the prophet Ezekiel actually calls Eden the mountain of God. So in the biblical imagination, the Garden of Eden is a mountain garden. And where do people go to meet with God? It's always up on a mountain. So you just start to trace theme of trees on high places, um, and you begin to see just all this wonderful stuff. And, um, and every theme comes to a climax in Jesus. And so, sure enough, Jesus is crucified on a tree on top of a mountain, and Jesus actually uses tree metaphors a lot. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Um, that's a tree in the Hebrew imagination. Um, and, um, and then every theme has its fulfillment in the church and in new creation. And sure enough, um, sure enough, there's a tree of life and, and the end of the story of the Bible in a new garden. Um, and uh, one, of the, one of the passages that has become really dear to the project and for me is Psalm 1, which says, blessed is the one who meditates on uh, the Torah, scripture, day and night. He's like a tree planted by a stream of water. What kind of tree? A tree that bears fruit in and out of season, and everything he does prospers. You're like this magical, abundant tree of life. So, um, uh, so we, just, we just let this whole pattern kind of onboard, and you actually see how the biblical authors, like, they're doing this intentionally. Like, they're riffing off of these ideas, and they're developing them, and, um, and they want you to come along for the ride, and they want you to meditate on it. Blessed is the one who meditates on uh, the Torah. Uh, it's, it's this word um, uh, in Hebrew, haga, and it means to like, um, it's the sound a prey animal makes when like it eats, like, <laughs> and it's like, it's this picture of like, it's not like emptying your mind and just kind of becoming one with the universe kind of meditation, which is great, you can do that too, but um, this kind of meditation is one where you're like just chewing on scripture and you're kind of like just letting it like churn through you. Um, and it'll turn you into your life. Sorry. Uh, but, the, but the video, um, 
So we go through that, we write a script. Um, that video in particular, we had a guest art director, because our art director was, I think, on paternity leave. So this guy, Armand Serrano, um, wonderful visual development artist who's done a ton of, I mean, you could just IMDb him, he's done a ton of wonderful work. Um, but he came on, and, and so then we do visual development, which is they just come with all these visual ideas of here's how we could represent the tree of life, here's how we could represent the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, and uh, um, what I love about what we decided was the tree of life, right, is huge, and it's on the top of the mountain, it is the mountain. And it looks like, um, it looks like a nuclear explosion. Uh-huh. I don't know if you noticed that. Mushroom cloud. Yeah, <laughs> which is like intimidating. Uh-huh. And there's something, I, there's something intimidating about the tree of life, right? It's like, I, I picture like standing there and kind of being like, should I really eat of this mm-hmm. tree? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and there's this detail, right, in the, sto- in the story that the, that the two trees were right in the center of the garden. Mm-hmm. And um, what we chose is, like, that the tree of knowing good and bad or good and evil is um, kind of low to the ground. It bends, bends down like a bonsai tree. So it's a lot more accessible, and it's also beautiful. And it's kind of, like, on the way to the tree of life. So you kind of have to pass through it. You have to pass through this impulse we have to choose good and bad on our own terms um, to get to the tree of life. The low-hanging fruit. The low-hanging fruit. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. So also that video is one long camera pan, mm-hmm. right? So like there's no cuts, and that's something our artists wanted to do. Um, there's no, besides the hand, there's no human figures, so it's all about trees, because the Bible like t- talks about humans as trees a lot. Mm-hmm. So um, that's another thing. Um, yeah, just a few things. I love it. Um, one of the things I love, just as you were talking, I was thinking... There's uh, such joy in what you're sharing, right? And I, I think, to me, that's uh, one of the most compelling things that you offer. I think if I listen to one of your videos, there's this underlying question of, like, what else is in this book, right? That it just keeps going and going and going. And I think maybe some of that is what I feel like, and I don't mean this as a critique, but kind of in our understanding of how we grew up with the Bible, we lost some of that wonder and awe which I feel like um, at least that rings true for me, as well as the fact that questions are dangerous, right? So you like learn to always test the water with your questions, like, and you go, oh, too far. Um, you know, as you're sharing all this, I just, I think it's so beautiful. And uh, it, I would love to hear it. So how did you get from the theology project to the Bible project? Like how, how did that shift happen and awaken sort of that creativity within you? What was the discovery Seeing scripture as literature, understanding the human fingerprints on it, it's awakened into something where it's grown for you. And yeah, tell how did you get excited about the Bible project? And maybe you've answered that, but yeah, no. Well, so I I went from the Bible is getting in the way to this this is a true treasure. Yeah, that I want to spend time with. Um, and but it's still actually really hard for me. Like, I still, I'll sit down, and I'll read one of the, the weirder books, you know? And I'll just be like, I, I'm confused. And this is frustrating. Um, uh, but this paradigm of, I'm not here to, like, ask my questions to get the answers to my questions. I'm here to hear 
from the Bible mm. and for it to shape my imagination <laughs> um, and that God will speak to me through it and he will speak to us as a community through it. Um, uh, but this idea of the Bible as literature, as ancient Jewish literature, um, that um, it's pretty remarkable that we have been given this opportunity to study uh, an ancient book mm-hmm. that w- was written in a, a, a specific time and place that's different than ours. And like this is a task we've been given, that, that God's wisdom is found in it. Um, and it never ends being startling to me, actually. Like if someone came up to you and said like, hey, I've had this religious experience and I'm going to just devote my life to just learning Egyptian hieroglyphics and reading like mm-hmm. ancient stories of pharaohs and stuff, you'd be like, that's weird, but that's cool. Um, and here we have this book of ancient stories that we're finding God's wisdom in. Um, and, uh, uh, and, it, and the way that it works as literature is that, it, that it's, it's very highly structured and it has a lot of um, themes and patterns. Um, and um, while it's not a textbook, it does tell us the answers. Yeah. It does, and while it's not like a, um, a moral handbook per se, it does show us what it looks like to thrive as a human mm-hmm. and to be a righteous person. Um, and so all of the things I wanted the Bible to do, uh, it does mm-hmm. in, um, in this really marvelous way. That's cool. Well, it just, as you're talking about, like, it giving us almost like the right questions to ask, I, um, it just makes me think of Jesus where they were always asking him a question and he was always coming back like, but here's a better question, you know, and um, I, I think when you talk about wisdom, I, I love that. I think, I don't think you get, wisdom is never low-hanging fruit. It, there's always a struggle implied with that and but there's a richness and a reward on the other side and um so i love that you guys are inviting people to think deeper and to go further i think the wisdom that comes with that is a gift i i think about that for the church how much we need wisdom um how if we're so set on answers and not wrestling with questions there's some part of our own growth that gets kind of stunted in the process um I mean, if you had an encouragement for our church, as we're, we've got a group going through the Bible in a year, which is just beautiful. We've got different classes where we're wrestling with Scripture. If you had kind of an exhortation for us and where you would encourage us, us to grow more in Scripture, I, I didn't ask. It's not on my sheet, but uh, so I'm asking you that off the cuff. But is there something that comes to mind, John? Um. Yeah, I, we, we talked about this a little bit where I, um, I have this belief, and this comes from my spiritual tradition and upbringing, the Bible is for all of us, and we all can spend time in it and hear from God in it. Um, there's also uh, this reality that, um, that the Bible is hard, <laughs> and um, the cookies aren't always on the bottom shelf. And, um, and so 
one of the things that we hope for for the church is that um, just everyone gets to level up in kind of their literary skills. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and that's not going to be for everyone, there's, but there's some people who are going to want to go real deep and they wanna, they'll be the Bible nerds in your community. Mm -hmm. and, then, and there's some of us who are just going to be happy with like, show me what you're learning, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, mm -hmm. and let's read this together. Um, the Bible is a book meant to be read in community. It actually originally was meant to just be read out loud in community, mm -hmm. right? Like, like the New Testament letters, they would get this letter and they would all gather around and they would read the letter out loud mm -hmm. and they would hear the thing from beginning to end. Um, you would actually hear stories, in, there's stories in the Bible about them gathering and just reading the Torah. I'm going to destroy this guitar. <laughs> You're <Sorry>. okay. <laughs> um, and so, um, uh, just this, I, that's a cool vision for the church is just like, whether or not you're going to have your own little quiet time where you're studying the Bible yourself, which is a beautiful thing, mm -hmm. to have an opportunity to just sit down and hear a whole book of the Bible read aloud to each other. Um, you can choose a small one, mm -hmm. um, to begin with. Um, and, uh, and then just to expect that God is going to speak to us mm -hmm. through this. And that um, the problem, I, when I do that, I want to understand everything, but just kind of let the thing wash over you mm -hmm. and, um, and begin to just try to like begin to think in the structure and the ideas that it has um, and, um, and do it as a community. Like read the Bible together as a community. Um, and uh, hopefully, one of the things that we're trying to figure out what to do is how do we teach the literary skills in an, in an unintimidating way so that anyone can be like, oh, cool, yeah, I can do that. Um, and uh, so to whatever degree Bible Project can be a resource for that, that'd be wonderful, but yeah. Wow. There's, if you go to their site, there's just a wealth of things in there. I wrote down like the, the top three things that are like on your page. What kind of culture shaped the Bible? Why Leviticus is worth your time? How does the Bible explain suffering? So anyway, it's just, it's beautiful wealth of um, just richness that you guys have put together. And um, this has been so fun. John will stick around. So if you've got questions, uh, don't bombard him. But, it, you know, but he, he likes questions. So uh, he's going to stick around afterwards. But let me just, can I just pray for you and just a blessing. And thank you so much for this time. And God, thank you. Thank you for John. Thank you for Tim. Thank you for this vision that they have of um, bringing people to your word, maybe some for the first time, maybe some who are needing to, to rediscover just the depth. And God, thank you for the way that you meet us in scripture. God, the way that you are never intimidated of our questions, that you uh, just so lovingly guide us further in and pray for us as a church that we would have that kind of courage to learn and grow and to become wise. But uh, we pray for the next season for the Bible Project and what you're going to do. Just continue to speak to them, vision, um, and, uh, and bless them in what they're doing. And uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, John. Thanks.